0: Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I have the honor to speak with Dr. Lauren Lowe. Dr. Lowe is a licensed clinical and sports psychologist. She is the director of Align Sports and Performance Psychology, a private practice located in San Francisco, California. Align provides expert psychological care, mental skills coaching, consultation, and presentations to the athletic community across California. As a former Division I athlete, Dr. Lowe understands both professionally and personally the unique needs of athletes which led her to launch Align to provide the specialized care athletes need and deserve. Today, we talk about the field of sports and performance therapy and her approach to care. Welcome, Dr. Lowe. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So what we're talking about today is something that you have quite a specialty in, and that is performance anxiety, sports performance anxiety. And I'm curious just to hear more about your approach and how you work with that.
1: Yes, well, I am very fortunate to be in this career and absolutely love sports and performance psychology. And so for me, what sports and performance psychology is is it's working with athletes and high performing individuals people who are musicians artists performers working with these individuals who are in high pressure situations to be able to cope and manage the pressures that come along with being on a performative stage and so many individuals to some degree experience a level of performance anxiety or sports anxiety and there can be a multitude of factors That impact that experience for the individual. And so a lot of this work is being there to support these individuals to perform at their top level. And so a lot of the work is meeting individually with this person to understand what's coming up for them, what's impacting their performance, and then teaching and implementing a variety of different types of coping skills or mental skills, as we call it in the field, to impact their performance and help them achieve at the level that they wish.
0: And what are some typical things that affect performance? I'm assuming it's all anxiety or is it more than just that?
1: Sure. Well, anxiety can be a big part of it, right? So when we're talking about anxiety around performance or sports anxiety. What we're really talking about is an individual who is struggling in their performance. And what it is, is it's that actually the performative stage has become some type of threat. So we tend to view the competitive situation as a threat. And therefore, we react to the situation with apprehension and tension that therefore will impact our performance or our ability to achieve at the level that we wish. And so there are a multitude of reasons why someone could begin to see the competitive environment as a threat. Sure, there can be underlying mental health anxiety, depression that can impact one's performance. There can also be situational factors that can impact this, which can be life circumstances, right? Athletes and top performers are also human. So they've got a world around them. When we're talking about youth and adolescent athletes in particular, right? They're student athletes. So they not only have their athletics, but as well as the academic pressures. And so when we take it all together, it can be life. It could be mental health issues that are present. And it can also be something that's related to the sport specifically. It could be team dynamics. It could be interactions with the coach or a mismatch in coaching style and the athlete's needs. It could be a overbearing boss who demands a lot from a CEO, CFO, top performer, surgeons, medical professionals. So there are really a lot of factors that can impact performance anxiety or sports anxiety. And then it's really helping the individual understand what are those factors that are causing this and then empowering them to take action, take control, and be able to decrease those symptoms associated.
0: I was also thinking when you were first talking, I also made me think, I'm sure some people think that a degree of tension or anxiety surrounding performance is actually adaptive. Yes. It can be adaptive. And so
1: what what a lot of the work is around is what is your optimal zone of arousal, right? So many of us, when we look at arousal, it's kind of a bell-shaped curve. And so what that means is that there is a specific level of arousal in which we are able to perform at our best. There's a level of stimulation that's different for each individual that activates us to a level to say, all right, let's go, right? And then many athletes or individuals will experience that in the zone, right? Where they feel, okay, I am locked in, loaded, ready to go. And so what a lot of the work does is say, okay, what's that optimal level of arousal for you? How do we keep you within that zone so that you feel
0: confident and able to step onto the performative stage and do your best? Mm -hmm. And there's this overlap between arousal and anxiety. Exactly. Exactly. And so when we do experience anxiety, it's
1: not only can impact us cognitively, right? Speed up our thoughts. Maybe we, what I say is we hear that inner coach coming in a little bit stronger, maybe having a little bit more negative thoughts. So anxiety can impact our, our cognitions, our thoughts. It also has a physiological impact. So for some of us, we feel a heart rate increase. We feel muscle tension. We can feel those little butterflies or a pit in our stomach. And so a lot of what anxiety can do is then not only impact our body and our mind, but then of course, right, then it impacts our behavior. And one of the things that many athletes and individuals don't think about is that when we're in a more anxious state and especially when we're in athletics and we're experiencing muscle tension, that can be a risk because when we are, you know, in a more anxious state, our body is focusing in a different way. We're not taking in all of our environment and we're also experiencing it physically. So when we don't, when we have unchecked performance anxiety or high levels of anxiety in sport, there is research out there that says that That increases the likelihood of injury. Mm. And it can increase the likelihood of other consequences in the performance, which can cause distress. And then, as we know, it can become a repetitive cycle where that anxiety gets reinforced by a multitude of reasons. And then, when we don't deal with anxiety or avoid it, it grows. And so, that's where there's a lot of attention to addressing this for individuals where it becomes difficult to manage.
0: And I I mean, I like what you said about this kind of performance zone, right? Peak performance zone. And I'm assuming a lot of the work you do with people is just educating people about what is beneficial for them and adaptive and what's maladaptive.
1: Absolutely. And I think so much of this work is self-understanding, you know, for, for athletes and top performers, they have this ability to have this mind body interaction and control. Right. And so in a lot, it's talking about sports specifically, right. It's, you can make your body do these insane, incredible things. And so much of it is also interconnected in how we're thinking and how we're able to connect what we're doing and how we're thinking and actually activating and moving forward with it. And so I think that there's this piece where, you know, we look at at all of those factors.
0: The other question I have is, so thinking about self-understanding, an athlete or a top performer having more self-awareness. I also wonder about if you think about pressure leading to a decrease in enjoyment. Yes.
1: Wow. Uh, That is a big topic. So a lot of times when performance anxiety, sports anxiety goes unchecked, what we do know is that it can lead to increased rates of attrition dropping out stopping doing that sport. And this is especially common in that older latency, early adolescent phase, especially in sports, where individuals become more aware of their capabilities in comparison to others, which can impact and therefore increase sports and performance anxiety. And so what we see is when individuals, as they advance in athletics and in sports, there can be this underlying performance anxiety that's not being seen or addressed. And so for some, it becomes so overwhelming that they say, okay, I'm done. I'm done with the sport. And so being able to recognize and address this in athletes is very important because the reality is every athlete experiences it. It's just to what degree and how does
0: that impact you day to day and in the performative environment? It's also true for other things outside of sports. So academic, the academic world, right? And someone's thought about how they can perform in an academic setting when pressure increases. I mean, I think it kind of is across many different facets. We're
1: talking about this, of course, from the lens of sports and performance anxiety, psychology. And this actually is something everyone can experience. I mean, we've all had to give a class presentation, right, at some point in our academic career, public speaking, right? Maybe even that PE class where you were trying a new sport that... You didn't even know how to play, that can raise some concern around performance. And so, yes, this is something that is part of our human experience when we are put in any type of situation where there is a demand to perform. And that just escalates depending on what stage, how many spectators, where the pressure sources come from. Because a lot of times we do want to impress important others, our parents, spouses peers, coaches. And so, yes, in any type of performative environment, this can be something that someone can struggle with.
0: Hmm. I wonder if maybe we should have started with this. How did you get interested in this field of psychology?
1: Oh, well, such a great question. I think my passion and love for psychology has been lifelong if I actually reflect on it. I think there are two driving questions that have always perplexed me and invigorated me, and that is, why do people do what they do? And also, how do micro and macro systems interact with our identities and localization in this world and how does that interplay, interact our experience walking through this world day to day? And so, you know, I grew up in a psychologically minded family with a father who's a child adolescent psychologist and a mother who is a special needs teacher in inner city schools. And so I think question one, why do people do what they do? It's from my dad, you know, he, he taught me about synapses and neurotransmitters and I was just fascinated with the fact that these little chemicals in our brain could have so much power in how we think, feel, and behave. And then, you know, from my mother, she instilled in me empathy, acceptance, compassion for others who are different than myself, and instilled a real belief in social justice and equity, and that regardless of your localization in this life, you deserve to have access to equitable care and have your needs met. And so, you know, having that environment that nurtured me as well as just my experience of being the the child therapist that friends would come to and and speak to about, you know, what they were going through, I think just really helped kind of nurture this, this lifelong desire to understand the complexities of humanity and to also understand that being human is really hard we all actually do suffer at some point in our life and that we all are deserving of help, even when it's hard to access. And so, you know, that can speak to my general sense of psychology. Of course, there's a lot of school, a lot of training and things that went into me becoming a clinical psychologist today but then it's also this niche specialty in in sports and performances from my own experience as an elite athlete. I played division one lacrosse in college. So I have the experience of being a student athlete for most of my life. And I also had the experience of many orthopedic issues that led to an early retirement. And so I think through that experience as well of being an athlete, and it's a driving passion. I'm still an athlete. I still play sports. I love all sports. Go big area teams. And so that really helped me kind of focus my training and expertise to recognize that there are unique needs of athletes and top performers. Mm-hmm. It's a pressure cooker. It's a different type of experience for some. And so I think having that experience paired with the training and clinical training was really what led me to to this field and I'm very fortunate
0: to be here. I love what I do. It's wonderful. I appreciate you sharing your journey.
1: It's oh, fascinating
0: how, how you've created this, this specialty and where, where it came from. We'll make sure we have your information on the episode description in case any of the listeners felt kind of connected to the way that you talk about approaching care and performance. Do you have any just recommendations for people? Any good books? Any Anything if someone's kind of interested in learning a bit more about this field? So one of my favorite resources
1: that I use, I actually have it with me, is The Brave Athlete Calm the F Down and Rise to the Occasion. This is by Leslie Patterson and Simon Marshall one of whom is an Olympic gold athlete, one of whom is a clinical psychologist. And the reason why I recommend this book is because it's very digestible and reader-friendly. And it actually utilizes, through the different chapters, different types of cognitive behavioral therapy interventions to specifically approach the athlete's needs. So there are many different chapters in here, whether it's coping with injury, performance, multitude of other topics. And so it's really a helpful resource if you want to just kind of check it out and learn a little bit more about what this sports and performance psychology is. And then another resource that I always like to plug is also athletesforhope.org. Now, this was founded in 2006 by a group of elite athletes themselves who shared a bond for and a commitment to helping others. And so there's a really great mental health resource page there that can have some links to both the NC2A and and other resource pages. That's very helpful. And then if you are finding yourself in need of some type of psychological support, psychologytoday.com is another wonderful resource that can help you find
0: providers in your area if
1: you are finding the need for some more professional help.
0: And I think this is also very timely because there's more focus on mental health and sports these days.
1: Yes, we have a... We're at a time period where mental health is being talked about and it's really important to destigmatize mental health especially in sports and athletics. Again, we all suffer, we all need help sometimes. And so it's a privilege to be able to be here and provide the support that I do because we're we're in it together.
0: Well, I will make sure I add some of those resources as well to the episode description so the listener can check them out. I really appreciate you being here. Any last words for the listener before we say goodbye?
1: Oh, well, thank you for the opportunity to be here and to share with the listeners. I think... The last thing I'll say is you're not alone. One in five adults experience mental health issues in our country. And for athletes and top performers or people in high demanding situations, it's not uncommon to suffer. So if you find yourself in need of help, you're not alone. We're here for you. And, you know, help is on the way.
0: Well, thanks for being here and for doing what you do.
1: Thank you so much.
0: This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe.